The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And welcome to another edition of WinningPonies.com. We've got a couple interesting two-year-old races on the card. Our guest today uh, will be writer Gary West. Gary West is one of the remaining class acts uh, of thoroughbred racing. Uh, those of you uh, out west and certainly in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area will be very familiar with Gary. I'm looking forward to introducing him to the rest of the audience if they are not familiar with him. Uh, he has uh, quite a, a pedigree and, and a biography in uh, the sport of thoroughbred racing. And then joining us at the bottom of the hour to help us uh, with, with our handicapping from the Thoroughbred Times it's Frank Angst, another real good guy in racing. What's also good about Frank is he's a player. So uh, get out your winning ponies tools and uh, get your handicapping pen ready at the bottom of the hour. Again, our guests Gary West and Frank Angst. Let's take a look now at some of the news of the week. Of course, it's been just about the lead story on this show every week. Rapid Redo does it again. He did it on Tuesday down at Laurel. It wasn't an easy win. But he got the job done. He's now come out of 21 straight victories, and he uh, equaled the modern U.S. record for wins in a single year. That's 19, held by Citation. Citation did it back in 1948. The question is, will he race again? And there's a chance that he will. Uh, they're taking a look at the horse. Uh, he, he did come up a, a little bit uh, close in this one. He had a three-length lead at the stretch call, and only one of about three-quarters of a length, but he got tested in the front end. I also believe that the chart said that uh, J.D. Acosta, the jockey, uh, lost his whip in the lane, uh, which can have something to do with it. I know he was scoped, and uh, there was nothing amiss. And so uh, if he's good to go and they can find a spot between now and New Year's, uh, he may go for another win. The question is, will he race again ever? They're not sure. They're just thinking that perhaps they will uh, go out on top, and, and why not? It would be a, a great way, a, a class act, uh, and uh, certainly he'd go down in the history books. He's already made his own history. So uh, if you'd like to be part of history, well, uh, I don't know if you're uh, – like me, I don't get a whole lot of exercise, so any chance I get to exercise my right to vote, I do it. And you're going to have some more opportunities as race fans to get in on some national voting this year. Uh, there is the Secretariat Vox Populi Award uh, created by Secretariat's only Penny Shenry. Uh, it's kind of the voice of the people, Vox Populi. And uh, it'll recognize a racehorse whose popularity and racing excellence resounded most with you, the fans. And, of course, uh, the nominees, well, who wouldn't be on top but Rapid Redo. So while he may 
may not get in the Hall of Fame, and he may not get any votes for Horse of the Year, though I think one or two writers may vote him uh, on a year so wide open. Uh, Rapid Redo is eligible uh, for the Vox Populi Award. Uh, also nominated are, of course, uh, Goldakova. Sad to say she didn't get the job done this year, but that certainly doesn't eliminate her body of work uh, and certainly what she did to establish herself historically in the uh, Breeders' Cup mile over the years. Uh, then you've also got uh, Uncle Mo, uh, the uh, champ that uh, came back from the liver disease and uh, has now been rushed off to stud. And, of course, a horse that may be on top, a horse of the year when it's all over, Arve de Grasse. Uh, so those, those are the nominees. And, again, you can go to www.secretariat.com for the Vox Populi Award. But, hey, the voting's not over. That's right. You've got New York Racing has a vote, Race of the Year, and they've had some awful good ones. Uh, you can go to uh, naira.com uh, to vote for this one. And the, the nominees are, if I may have the envelope, uh, the six-year-old Tisway. He earned his first career grade one in an unbelievable, dazzling fashion, running the second fastest Met Mile in the race's 118-year history. So Tisway is going to be the one. It's a shame he didn't make it to the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, then we've got a horse that you're going to get to see race this year, Royal Delta. Uh, she just dominated uh, horses in the Alabama at Saratoga, and it was an awful tough field in there. You had grade one winners, uh, Plum Pretty, and It's Tricky in there. Again, uh, Bill Mott will have Royal Delta for return to the races next season. Looking forward to that. And in one of the most exciting races of the year, let's uh, not forget Caleb's posse when he defeated Uncle Mo by a nose in the King's Bishop at Saratoga. It was a great race by Uncle Mo, but it was his comeback after uh, that liver problem. But Caleb's posse certainly proved himself no fluke uh, even following up that uh, that race. But again, these, this is, these are Naira Awards. These are races that have in New York, of course, Arbre de Grasse up for another award. Um, you you uh, will see her uh, on the uh, ballot there. Uh, she uh, had her Saratoga triumph uh, in the Woodard at Saratoga, joining Rachel Alexandra, who accomplished that feat. And if you want to just see an unbelievable race of the year, uh, go back to Winter Memories Race in the Garden City at Belmont Park. She had no business winning this race, was behind a wall of horses. If you could see the replay, she may get your vote. Again, go to Naira.com and you can get your vote in. Okay, well, they were voted in, or they will be voted in, but voted out was John Veach, the former chief steward of the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission. Uh, he's going to face a one-year suspension of his license in Kentucky for what's called gross negligence of his duties in relation to the Life at Ten incident. Um, a lot of people are also thinking that the fact that Goldacova wasn't taken down uh, may have had something to do with that. Uh, but uh, Veach, who's now 66, uh, was fired by the department overseeing the Horse Racing Commission. So uh, they say he failed to perform his duties. I find it awful hard, although the Life at Ten scenario, very, very interesting in the way that it played out. Another guy that's been interesting in the way his career has played out has been P-Val, Jockey Pat Valenzuela. He announces that he has retired. As you know, uh, he won the 89 uh, Kentucky Derby on Sunday Silence. Uh, he's had a, a litany of, of problems, uh, self-inflicted substance abuse problems over the years. But uh, 
they, Pivel says that uh, he is going to uh, retire. He's won over 4,000 races in his uh, 33 years, and he says it was, just a, it was a good time to retire. Uh, he's won uh, 15 riding titles in a career that began in 1978. He, uh, seven winners in the Breeders' Cup. Um, has returned off and on to riding again with some of the personal problems he's had. Um, and he's just saying that, uh, you know, he had a gallbladder operation about two weeks ago. He says it's opened up his eyes, the abuse that his body's taken over the years, and he's not young anymore. He's thinking that his health's more important than getting out there and making the weight every day, which was another problem. Well, good luck to P-Vale. I hope things go okay. Uh, will there be another jockey retirement? Let's hope not, but something's up in California with Tyler Bays. He re- remains suspended because he has not completed the terms of a ruling uh, issued by uh, stewards out west for taking a breathalyzer test during the summer. Uh, he was out at Los Alamitos, and he has not finished his uh, rehab program. Uh, last weekend, uh, the stewards said that uh, since he hasn't, as far as we know, we're going to have to take message. And then uh, Bayes was ordered to take a breathalyzer on September 1st after failing a breathalyzer at Del Mar. And uh, so right now he's he's had a prolonged absence, and nobody's sure he's going to be back in the saddle. I uh, certainly hope things are okay. I mean, the Bays family's had uh, enough problems this year. As you recall, the, the tragic uh, passing of, of Michael Bays, who was a former uh, leading rider at Arlington and Del Mar and Hollywood Park, uh, dying of an accidental overdose this year. Well, uh, the Breeding Shed, uh, both internationally and nationally, lost two top stars this week. If you haven't heard, strike the gold. The 1991 Kentucky Derby winner was euthanized uh, in Turkey this week. It was confirmed by the Turkish Jockey Club. Uh, he was the leading active stallion in Turkey, and uh, he fractured his left front pastern while in his paddock. And uh, they decided that uh, the fact that he was 23 years old and the injury was pretty se- severe, that uh, they were going to have to put him down. It's sad to lose, uh, strike the gold. Of course, you all remember uh, uh, Chris, Chris Antley, uh, who won the Kentucky Derby aboard him. Nick Zito uh, chimed in, uh, just said that uh, he hadn't seen him in years, but he heard, had heard he was healthy. Uh, strike the gold, of course, after uh, winning the Derby, finished sixth in the Preakness, and uh, second by a head to Hansel in, in the Belmont Stakes. Um, he retired in 93. He started his stud duties at Ben Walden's Vinery Farm near Midway, Kentucky, and in 98 was sold to Turkey. Um, also, this late-breaking news, Airdrie Stud confirmed that Indian Charlie had to be euthanized uh, on December 15th, which is today. Uh, Indian Charlie, a lot of people's favorite, of course. So you've got uh, the Indian Charlie sheet that's out. Bob Baffert uh, trained him. Uh, he, he was uh, the... Uh, Indian Charlie only made five starts, but he won four times for uh, Bob Baffert. Uh, his victory over Real Quiet in the Santa Anita Derby sent him to Louisville for the Derby as the early favorite. He was sent off at 5-2 to two in a 15-horse field, finished third to Real Quiet, and that would be his last start. But he turned out to be a nice stud. Uh, Brereton Jones, who owns Adrie, gave him a good shot, started him out at a very fair stud price, and then uh, kind of moved him up. And, uh, boy, ha- has he moved up. Uh, he uh, it was uh, standing originally for 10000 and I believe was going to stand for 75000 this season. And you'll recall one of Uncle Mo, one of Indian Charlie's top runners, 
Uh, Uncle Mo, he's just one of those horses that just uh, threw out solid, solid runners. Uh, he also was the sire champion, Indian Blessing. Uh, he, he, was a, he was a good deal if you got to him early. But again, his stud fee moved up to twenty five, forty thousand, 40000 and was going to stand for 75000 this year. Um, other uh, quick racing news, Barbaro's two-year-old full brother, Margano, broke his maiden at, at Gulfstream this week. So uh, another horse that, uh, that won on the turf much like Barbaro, a uh, first time out. Let's take a quick look now um, at the races that we handicapped last week. Of course, we called uh, the mellow fellow Pete Aiello to give us a look at the opening of Hialeah. And, of course, Pete, being a great quarter horse handicapper, gave Winning Ponies listeners a winner first time out. Number six, Skyline Lover. Coming from Beulah Park, uh, not only won by a neck, as uh, Pete predicted, but set a new course record in the Orange Blossom Stakes at Hialeah. Uh, I remember Pete liked a flying fish who stumbled at the start and lost all chance for the second spot. But nonetheless, Pete giving out a 620 winner on top there for the Winning Ponies listeners last week. Uh, then uh, we hooked up with Marcus Hirsch, who covers both the Chicago and New Orleans beat. Now, Marcus was our guest handicapper. Uh, we looked at uh, the fairgrounds of what a race. If you don't get it, didn't get a chance to see it, go back and, and pull it down off the Internet. The Louisiana Champions Day turf, a three-horse photo. This was a good one. Uh, getting home, Irishman James Graham bought home String King to get up by a nose over Kissimmee Kyle, who was just a nose ahead of Wild Rally. Uh, String King, uh, trained by Charlie Smith. Paid ten twenty on top. Again, uh, the the favorite in there was Old Bushmill, who was uh, trying to upset older horses. Didn't happen for Old Bushmill. Uh, then we stayed at the fairgrounds where Marcus is the handicapper, and we went to the Louisiana Champions Day Classic. No big surprise in here. I've got to guess Star Guitar will be Louisiana Horse of the Year. Unbelievable. Uh, Star Guitar, does he like this series? He won the Juvenile in 2007, the Sprint in 2008, and now he's won on three classics in a row, and as we said, this was pretty much a two-horse race with populist politics, a Tom Amos trainee underneath. If you had the exacta, you didn't get rich, $4. Uh, surprisingly, uh, Star Guitar paid three twenty to win. Uh, we stayed at the fairgrounds for the Champions Day Sprint, but that was the, the following race, and uh, the winner in here was a big layoff horse, a uh, three-year-old taking on older horses, Amalcia de Oro, uh, likes, likes the uh, distance of six furlongs Dinler though, three of four at the distance. Uh, upset time, 31-1. to one. Finishing second was Bold Recruit, and third was Southern Dude. And we closed the uh, day out up in Chicago, where Marcus is also the, the handicapper. There we looked at the uh, Jim Edgar, Illinois Futurity. Uh, the winner was number four, Real Power, a horse that hadn't had a fast track. He finally caught one and got away to pay $12.60. Uh, second in there was Marcus's pick, Yankee Dealer. And up to the third spot was 1200 All right, that's a look at the races that we handicapped uh, on Winning Ponies last week. I'm really looking forward to this next segment. We're going to be talking to race writer Gary West on winningponies.com. flagship station for sports voice america sports 
And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you want to talk about the East Coast sports scene, particularly from the Southeast, make sure you tune in to the Jeff Owen Show every Tuesday. Yeah, we'll talk about some of the other teams and news that's out there, but host Jeff Owens and co-host Tasha Humphrey know the inside and out of the Georgia College sports world, and they were born there, raised there, and still live the scene. We'll talk about every sport imaginable. Tune in on Tuesday at 7 p.m. East Coast time, 4 p.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life. From Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, welcome back, and tune in, ladies and gentlemen, because we're going to be talking to a, a very interesting uh, race writer. His name is Gary West, and uh, I've seen Gary in, in the press boxes at all the, the biggest races over the years. I have the utmost respect for him. Uh, he's what you'd call in racing certainly a class act. Um, he writes about racing regularly. He's been a columnist for the, the Dallas Morning News, uh, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Uh, he was the son of a jockey. He was a college teacher before... Uh, returning to the racetrack and writing. Uh, he's been a commentator on racing on ESPN and CNN and has also hosted his own radio program on racing. Uh, he's also the author of Razu at the Races, the Diary of a Horse Player. I want to remind everybody that it's on Amazon.com. I already checked. And so Christmas is coming up, and tomorrow... I believe it's free shipping Friday, so I know I am going to be dialing in and getting my copy of Razu at the Races. Uh, Gary West is also the president of the National Turf Riders Association, and uh, welcome to winningponies.com, Gary. Well, John, thank you very much. How are you doing this evening? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, all my boys are home from college, and uh, we're, we're getting ready for, for, for Christmas. Um, what, I, what I'd like to do is uh, have you tell us a little bit about your background. Um, it was only recently that I learned that, uh, that, that your father was a jockey, so I guess uh, getting introduced to racing was kind of a family affair. Right. I grew up um, on the racetrack. Um, my, my dad was a jockey, and then he trained horses. And um, uh, I had other relatives involved in racing, uncles and cousins. And uh, it was um, 
uh, an environment I was very familiar with. Uh, went to the track as a little boy all the time. And I can remember um, one day at Churchill Downs, uh, my dad was a leading jockey there, by the way, in 1949. Uh, I wasn't born then, but um, uh, a long time ago. But this was in the, uh, I guess, uh, late 1950s. He was riding at Churchill, and I was a little bitty kid. And... Um, uh, he was on a horse that ran poorly, and some um, critics along the rail, and you've seen those guys, uh, <laughs> uh, heaped some abuse on him. And and I was just stunned by it all and, and didn't know what to think, and so I ran to the stable area where I took refuge in the stall of an old uh, horse my uncle had, um, and uh, they found me there later that night. And um, what happened was uh, my my dad was riding this horse that was um, an odds-on favorite, and uh, he had told me earlier that the horse would win, and uh, she didn't. And coming down the lane, he just uh, nursed her uh, across the wire, didn't do much riding at all. He explained to me that he felt the horse injured herself at the top of the lane, and so he could not ask her for anything because uh, it would probably meant she would break down, so he was just trying to get her home safely. And certainly and, those uh, racing fans belittling him had no idea. Exactly. And, and of course, and my point is, uh, from an early age then, the, the game began to assume some complexities, and I realized that it's a lot more complex than a lot of people realize just watching from the grandstand. So anyway, I um, grew up on the racetrack. I helped my dad when he trained horses, and... Um, you know, I never considered training horses myself because it, it's such hard work. You know, it's seven days a week, and I knew many trainers who worked hard and uh, weren't very successful. And I was uh, in the academic world um, and uh, taught English at the University of Tennessee. And one day just got frustrated with that and um, not teaching our English, but uh, with the, the academic bureaucracy, I suppose, and left the university and went back to the racetrack. I went to Keeneland, which is right down the road from Knoxville, and um, stayed at the racetrack. I was betting on horses, was a jocks agent uh, for a, a brief time, uh, just trying to figure out what I was going to do and if I was going to go back to the university. And one day I walked into a newspaper and asked for a job. And uh, it uh, started from there. So I wrote about some horses uh, and uh, some racing. And it occurred to me, frankly, that at that time, most of the people who were writing about racing didn't know a lot about the game or weren't writing very well about it. And so uh, there might be a niche there for me. And so I started writing about racing, and I'm still writing about racing today. Well, you know, there's a lot of guys that uh, over the years have written about uh, racing from the uh uh, comfort, comfort of their desk. Uh, you're not a guy that's afraid to get his very nice shoes muddy on the backstretch, are you? No, I'm, I'm not. I, I, I spent many mornings back there and still enjoy being um, on, on the, in the stable area. And I've always believed that if you listen closely and watch closely, the horses uh, can tell you an awful lot. And I, I, I try to do that. The uh, most fun I have at the racetrack is just standing um, right by the rail and watching horses and uh, and clocking horses. I enjoy clocking horses. So 
Um, uh, yes, I, I like to go out in the morning, and I love horses, and I love racing, and I very much uh, like the uh, company of horses and watching horses. I would much prefer to uh, um, com- commune with the horses in the morning than, than with uh, the uh, um, many of the folks that are taking care of them. Not that they're not great folks as well, you know, uh, but the simple truth is um, the, the horses can be much more communicative. You know, they can tell you an awful lot if you just watch and pay attention. I remember I was standing right there at the rail at Churchill Downs when Holy Bull walked by prior to the Kentucky Derby. And I was standing there with Bob Fortas of the New Orleans Times-Picayune, and, and Holy Bull, his head was down, and he let out a cough. And, and I had seen him early in the year, and he was a handful, just an absolute handful. He was always full of energy and just bursting with enthusiasm and wanting to do everything. And he was not that horse at Churchill Downs. And I saw him walking back to the barn after a routine gallop. He coughed, and I turned to Bob, and I said, he isn't going to get a thing. And, uh, and sure enough, you know, he told me right there that morning that he wasn't going to do anything in the Kentucky Derby. And it was very obvious, and he didn't. Well, sad for him and, and for Mike Smith. Luckily, Mike Smith was able to get back into the winner's circle. Now, as you're describing yourself uh, standing there in the backstretch and your uh, experience a, a, as a young man on the backstretch, uh, this has lent you to becoming familiar with, with, with many of the, the personalities, style of personalities, caricatures and caricatures that are on the backstretch, which uh, I'd like to touch briefly on Razu at the Races, The Diary of a Horse Player. Uh, <laughs> tell us about the book, because it sounds, I read some reviews on your book, and it really sounds like you did a great job at, at, at painting some colorful characters. Well, thank you. I um, basically uh, created uh, uh, characters who play the horses on a regular basis, and, and, and they are colorful characters. Um, Characters who uh, they're based on people I've known at the racetrack for years and years. Uh, people who uh, believe resolutely in luck. Uh, I remember a guy who. Uh, um, well, I remember a conversation between two guys. One guy was um, complaining that peanuts were unlucky, and uh, and he was <laughs> chastising a friend of his who bought some peanuts at the racetrack because they're unlucky. And the friend said, "Oh, that's that's a stupid superstition." Uh, there's nothing to that peanuts being unlucky. And he said, don't you realize it's not the peanuts, it's the peanut shells that are unlucky. You can't step <laughs> on the peanut shells. And, and, and people are like that at the racetrack. You know, they won't take $50 bills. Uh, they have to go to the same window, sit in the same chair, um, because very often the events of the racetrack are inexplicable. And, and, of course, that's how we have mythology. You know, we try to explain the inexplicable by creating stories, or at the racetrack we try to explain the inexplicable with, with uh, luck or with, with uh, destiny. Um, and and I, I think uh, people um, often will, uh, will um, talk about luck and, and such things at the racetrack and believe very much in it, including some trainers and, and owners, by the way. I remember during the, uh, the Triple Crown series, um, Jack Vanberg uh, wore the same suit um, throughout that series, wouldn't send it to the dry cleaners, and uh, needless to say, it ran out of luck by the time the Belmont came along. But uh, he, he wasn't going to change uh, suits uh, for the Belmont. So we'll, we'll, we'll find some of these interesting characters in Razoo at the races, I, I trust, uh, because this, this sport is so peppered with them. Speaking of Jack Van Berg, I can just share one story with you. 
uh, a guy I know who's a trainer whose family's been in racing a long time once shared a story that he, Jack Van Berg used to often, whatever track he was at, I'm going to guess perhaps Oaklawn, uh, he would ride a bike up to watch the horses work out. And that these guys would actually steal Jack Van Berg's bike, repaint it, and sell it back to him the next week. <laughs> <laughs> So there, there's, there's a, a lot of characters uh, out there. Well, um, moving forward, you know, what I've always uh, found about uh, observing you is that you, you seem to uh, treat the game with a lot of respect. Uh, I see guys showing up to, to, to at some of the best tracks in the country in flip flops and, and cutoffs and, and, and you know clothes that look like they just came out got out of their trunk and, and a ball. Anytime I see you, you, you look like you're ready to go to a ball. Uh, that's got to be a personal decision on your part. Well, it, it is. I, I try to um, be professional, and I try to um, treat this sport with respect. And, and part of that is uh, dressing like a professional. And, um, you know, the, it, it really is a marvelous game because these horses are out there uh, defining themselves. And in that regard, it's unlike any other sport. You know, a human being isn't a creature who can throw a ball or shoot a ball. Uh, that, that isn't how people dis, uh, define themselves. People define themselves with acts of imagination and intelligence. Really, other games are children's games compared to horse racing because in horse racing, that animal is the fastest creature in the world up to a mile. A cheetah, you know, can probably not run for 60 yards, but, but, but at a mile for sustained speed, there's no creature in the world that's even close to the racehorse. And he defines himself by running, and he has been bred to do this since the 18th century. And, and I, I, I have a great deal of respect for the game and for those horses, and, and I, I try to treat it that way. Well, uh, it, it comes across uh, not only in, in, in how you look, but in, in how you write. Uh, we, we had a brief conversation last week. You know, there's a lot of people that like to just sit there and, and throw darts at the game. But uh, we were talking about the, the, the horizon for 2012 and the fact that uh, as much as there was so much parity in the sport this year and, and it's so difficult to, to be able to just zone in on a horse that we know but one, maybe two horses should be horse of the year. Um, this is a season that's wide open, but what's going to be great is there's a slew of this year's top horses that we're going to get to see to compete next season. You're absolutely right. I'm I'm so excited about the upcoming year. Um, many people complain that this season's three-year-olds weren't very good. I, I think it would be more accurate to say that this year's three-year-olds were, for the most part, compromised by injury. Um, you know, Tapazar, Nero, um, uh, to honor and serve, they didn't get to to uh, um, utter their best lines, perhaps. Um, Animal Kingdom, obviously, after the Kentucky Derby or after the Belmont, uh, he was sidelined. Um, uh, most of the uh, best three-year-olds had incomplete campaigns. But, except for Uncle Mo, they're all coming back. Uh, Caleb's yeah. Posse, Shackelford, Animal Kingdom, uh, to honor and serve, closed out his year with a, uh, I thought, a, a very inspiring, encouraging win over older horses, stay thirsty, uh, the, the factor is going to come back in the Malibu, 
Um, they rose back in training, and then of course there are some late developers that could uh, that could pop up. Uh, I know uh, Steve Asmussen is planning on running Rothko and Wine Police in the Malibu, and Baffert um, has Smash and Hooray for Hollywood that they could become outstanding four-year-olds. So although the three-year-old group of 2011 perhaps didn't inspire as much as we would like, the upside of that, the, the, the other side of that is they're going to be four-year-olds, and I think this is going to be a, a heck of a year for um, the handicap division and for older horses because of that. And the ladies are going to be back. We're talking about It's Tricky, Plum Pretty, and Royal Delta. I'm really looking forward to seeing those three on the track again. No, oh, I am, too. That they, you know, I think you could argue that by the end of the year, the three-year-old fillies are more accomplished and better than the, than the Colts. And certainly Royal Delta just looked superlative when she won the ladies' classic. Um, Plum Pretty, when she won the cotillion, I, I, I thought she looked sensational. Um, yes, it's going to be, I think, a good year for the three-year-old Phillies, and I still think the uh, the best um, sprinting filly out there is Turbulent Descent, although she ran poorly at Churchill Downs. Um, she's probably going to come back at Santa Anita, and I hear she's doing well. Yeah, well, it's great, and of course, uh, Arv de Grasse is, uh, is going to be coming back, and uh, I, you know, in, in this year where there was just, uh, you know, so many horses that ran a big race and then didn't run again. Uh, I just wonder if through default she may end up being course of the year, not to take anything away from her body of work, but I really think that had she raced in the ladies classic and, and not against the boys and had won the ladies classic, we all would feel a little bit better about crowning her horse of the year. Yes, I, I, I'm, I'm going to vote for her. Um, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain. Well, I am certain, unless you know something extraordinary happens in the next few days, um, because she simply accomplished more than any other horse. And that's you know what it's about. It's, it's not a handicapping challenge. You don't. Um, I, I don't think it's fair to uh, handicap all the horses as if they were in a race because then you're stuck with trying to decide at what track, what distance, etc. Um, but uh, she simply accomplished more. Um, she beat males, which historically is the criterion for a female to win Horse of the Year, only one exception to that. And she dominated her division. Um, she was outstanding, and um, she actually uh, ran a decent race in the Classic. Sure. Um, she, she had a little trouble. It's not like she embarrassed herself, and uh, the, the track was a little, um, I think, peculiar. Uh, some horses didn't like it, and uh, perhaps she didn't, but she did have a rough trip in there, and I, I think um, she can be excused that performance, although even that wasn't a bad one. Uh, she had an outstanding campaign, and, and I think she's very deserving of Horse of the Year. Well, uh, sad to say, it's the loss of the Dallas Morning News and the Fort Worth Star-Telegram that, that, that you're no longer a regular contributor there. Where can people find the writing of, of Gary West right now? Well, I, I write for ESPN.com now, and I, I just spoke um, this afternoon with Larry Goff, and I'll be writing um, uh, a regular column for them um, next year as well. So I'm excited about that, and um, that'll uh, send me to some big races, and, uh, and I am looking forward to being at the Kentucky Derby again and seeing you, of course. Well, I'm looking forward to having you on winningponies.com because I could pick your brain all day long. Uh, Gary, thanks so much for being a guest, and don't be surprised if we don't ring you up sometime in the near future. 
Anytime. I'm always available, and I enjoy it very much. Thank you. All right. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, that was the outstanding writer, Gary West. We're going to take a quick break. We're coming back with another outstanding writer and handicapper, Frank Anks. We're going to break down the top races of this weekend. What does building a family mean to you? Nobody has experienced the pain and joy of family life in a way that Freddie Scott has. And his experiences in life, in sports, and business can help you create a successful family future. We'll cover many aspects of family building and management with a focus on fatherhood. Men and women want their families to succeed during these tough times. Our show will give you hope for the future and practical tools for a successful family. Tune in to The Freddie Scott Show, tackling the game of life, Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you. Every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, back to our handicapping segment, and I brought out another big gun here today. Uh, it's a gentleman I've got to know as, as a friend over the last few years, a familiar face in, in, in the press boxes in uh, uh, Ohio and Kentucky. Uh, Frank Angst is his name, and uh, Frank is a, a Cincinnati native, grew up going to Turfway and, and, and River Downs, and was able to parlay his abilities not only of handicapping but uh, of writing into a full-time job at the Thoroughbred Times. Frank Angst, welcome to winningponies.com. Hi, John. Thanks. It's great. Listen, give everybody a little bit of, of your background, uh, how you got the bug and, and, and how you were able to work your way into a writer's spot at the Times. Oh, sure. I've, I've always had interest in sports. I played football and track through high school and, and in college and uh, was always interested in writing as well. I kind of knew at a young age I wanted to be a writer, and uh, that focus turned to sports writing. And um, 
out of college, I started playing the ponies at Turfway, and uh, a friend of mine, his grandfather was Tom Heskis, who passed away a few years ago, but he was a, a not a huge time trainer or anything, but he had... No, he was at River Downs, I do yeah, remember him. Yeah, I, I, I think he had, he had a tuxedo company or something, am I correct? He did, on the west side of Cincinnati, yeah. And uh, he had a string of horses that he uh, raced at Turfway and River Downs, so it's always nice to get that behind-the-scenes look and... Uh, you know, he'd call us up sometimes and say, hey, I think my horse is going to run well tonight, and we would head over and watch his horses. So that, that definitely gave me an interest. And, I mean, I was always interested in sports riding, and I just think the stories in horse racing are just endless, and there there's so many good ones. So um, after about 10 years of covering uh, things like Marshall University football and basketball, um, this position opened up at Thoroughbred Times, and I was real excited to take it and uh, – been here for uh, it'll be 10 years in february wow it's been that long well yeah. i've always enjoyed uh reading your articles you're always right on top of the stories i will say that i know you're not shy about calling people up and seeing what's going on about 10 minutes after a story breaks i've been i've been on the other end of the phone sometimes <laughs> um, well that's the, yeah that's my main job is the, i mean this industry is so big and it has so many different fronts uh, that's my main job here is to do the in-depth coverage of a lot of the hot industry issues, which this year a lot of those have included things like uh, the use of Lasix and race day medications, as well as the exchange wagering, which some, that might be something that it looks like it's probably going to happen in California this year. So it, it's all, there's always uh, plenty to do here, and, and I do like to call all sides of the issue and, and try to get everyone's opinion on, on these things so that the industry can form uh, some good ideas on how they want to move forward. Well, you, you do a great job at it, Frank, but I have to share with our listeners that it, you are also not shy about reaching into your jeans and pulling out some greens <laughs> to back your opinion in the press boxes when there's a betting window around, and that's one of the reasons I called you tonight to break down some of these races. We're going to go from coast to coast, start with uh, start with two-year-olds at Hollywood Park and end up with two-year-olds in Florida. Uh, of course, uh, the biggest race of the weekend, arguably, would be the cash call future. It's a grade one, $750,000 going a mile and the 16th at Hollywood Park. What a field. You've got 11 winners, four multiple winners, five stakes winners, three additional stakes placed horses. Four of these horses have won at the distance, and one of them has won at a mile and a quarter. Five of these horses have won at Hollywood Park. Throw into the mix the fact that you got three Bob Baffert starters, and uh, this is one interesting race to handicap. Again, the cash call futurity. Tell me your, your uh, feelings about the race. Yeah, as you were saying, for a field of two-year-olds, there certainly is a lot of experience here. and uh, These horses have done a lot of different things, so I think they're, there's a bunch of them that are well-prepared to, to run well in this race is one thing I think for sure. Absolutely, and like I said, you've, you've got experience at this time of year, not only at a mile and a 16th, but experience at Hollywood Park. Of course, there's always a couple of horses that, that, that could be jumping up just at the right time. Uh, the interesting you know, buzz in, in the industry, though, is the fact that uh, a guy who's really in the zone right now, and that's Ramon Dominguez, uh, will be riding for uh, Peter Miller on Majestic City, who, uh, when I handicap, I don't have the odds in front of me, but I'm guessing this horse will probably be getting the edge. Kind of interesting is one of the more accomplished horses in the field that Blinkers will be coming off for the first time in Majestic City, but I do see a December 12th bullet workout. That's always been a handicapping angle of mine. Equipment change, bullet workout. What are your feelings? Is this horse uh, 
get favoritism in here? I have either him or Drill, um, which is, is interesting because they're the, the two horses that have probably run the most, but maybe have tailed off a little bit, in, at least in their last efforts. Um, obviously, those were big races, so that, that could have been part of the explanation as well. Um, and, you know, since Bob Baffert trains Drill, people know that how well he does with two-year-olds, so he, he certainly will be considered. Of course, Baffert has three horses in here, so there's a lot of different ways you could go if if you're supporting one of his horses. I suspect the Blinkers come off Majestic City because maybe they just felt like he got just got going too early in, in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, um, and maybe they want, I mean, uh, certainly he's not going to be a horse that's going to be coming from last, but maybe they want him to, to get off the pace just a bit. Well, the reason I do believe he's going to get favoritism is just from the action from California. At all three of his races at Hollywood Park, he was not only favored, he was victorious. Yeah, that's it. you definitely have to start there. He's three for three on the cushion track there. So he certainly has uh, shown everything you could hope to see uh, in that regard. The, the thing that concerns me is he's had two starts at two turns, and he, he ran well in the, in the Breeders' Futurity here to get second. So, so yeah, that, that probably is enough to get him favoritism. Yeah, and again, yeah, he is speed top, speed bottom. He's by City Zip out of a Metal Lake mare, and uh, there's a lot of zip right there. Um, another horse that kind of intrigues me is uh, the Baffert starter liaison, uh, who uh, I picked in the uh, the real quiet stakes there with Rafael Bayarano, went off a slight favorite, uh, stood off the pace, came home a winner, and that was a mile and a 16th at Hollywood. Um, the killer bees, Bayarano and Baffert, uh, could be a scary horse in here. Yeah, he's uh, coming into this race. He just wanted this distance on this track. So that, that certainly is a good sign uh, for him moving in the right direction there. Well, I'm going to put your feet to the fire. Frank, give me an exact I, or a trifecta in here. I, I actually landed on a different Baffert horse, Sky Kingdom, uh, who's an empire maker horse. Uh, he, did, he didn't fare well in a couple of starts at five and a half furlongs at Del Mar, but being by empire maker... I'm going to excuse those. I mean, those were probably too short. And as soon as he stretched out the two turns, again, a mile and a sixteenth at Hollywood, so he, he's another one coming in off a win at the same distance. As soon as he stretched out those two turns, I think he really showed a lot um, and just drew off in the stretch. I, I like the jockey chain. I don't have anything against Martin Garcia, um, and Garcia's choosing to ride drill here. But I, I think he's more of an aggressive rider than uh, Garrett Gomez. So I think Garrett might get this horse to, to relax just a bit because I do see quite a bit of speed in here. Uh, and I think that might be a good thing. I also really like his two workouts since his last race. I always look for Baffert. I look two workouts back, and I like to see a really nice workout there. And this horse certainly qualifies. He went five furlongs, which is in itself is a plus. I always like when a horse goes five. That, uh, to me, that shows a lot of confidence from the trainer. And he's a two-year-old, and he was fourth of 52. Uh, and then he comes back and works a bullet, first of 37. So I really think this is a horse that's going in the right direction. Well, and uh, Garrett Gomez uh, inherits the mount. Of course, he had the mount on Majestic City. So, again, that's the, the cash call futurity at Hollywood Park. Let's go back to the fairgrounds where we were uh, last week uh, when they had all the Louisiana races there. Uh, this is certainly a betting man's race. The favorites are 3-1 to one and 41, and you can find about five other angles here in this nine-horse field. Uh, 
the, the slight favorite is Country Day. Uh, James Graham will be up just coming out of the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint and ran second to Regally Ready in there. And the other horse who's the... Uh, just behind him in the odds is the well-accomplished Chamberlain Bridge, uh, who loves the fairgrounds, loves the distance, has 15 wins, 15 wins at five and a half furlongs. Uh, he won the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint in 2010. The question is, is he getting a little long in the tooth? He's seven years old, has only won one race this year. A lot of credentials, it certainly can can do it here but uh what, what do you think about this race i mean uh that was the same question i had again uh, about chamberlain bridge is he just seems like maybe he's lost a step this year which i mean i'm certainly not knocking his horse he's just no no so no, no done so much in his career but when you're really honestly looking at it he just doesn't hasn't done quite as much this year of course in his favor he gets back to the fairgrounds where he's four for six and has never been off the board so maybe that wakes him up. I I didn't even realize that Country Day was the fit morning line favorite until just now. That is who I landed on. Um, I really like that Breeders' Cup uh, turf sprint race that he ran, breaking from the outside post like that. Today he gets a little bit closer to the inside. He's not going to be on the lead, I don't think, but he re- he really showed an ability to track some horses there. Um, oddly enough, I think some of the early speed's going to come from the outside. Uh, so um, we'll see how that works out. I think James Graham will probably let those horses go by, go by early and then try to settle right behind them, I suspect. Or yeah, and James Graham, one of the best turf riders down there uh, at the fairgrounds. Right now, he's riding at a 23% clip. Believe it or not, absolutely, uh, actually eclipsed by Rosie, who's riding yeah. at 24%. So those two are just doing great. Um, so it's going to be a very, very interesting race. Of course, my heart will be with, uh, with Strike Impact. We'll see if this horse can turn back. Uh, this is uh, Pat Doopey's uh, one horse stable who's won over a half wow. million dollars. I know you're familiar with, the, with with Pat and his wife mm-hmm. Jenny Reese, who's been on WinningPonies.com in the past. Um, we're yeah, going to I... a little bit of break here, okay. and uh, when we come back, we're going to go we'll work on our tan. We're going down to Gulfstream Park for two races: the Harlan's Holiday and the Dania Beach. Thanks for listening on WinningPonies.com. <laughs> Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, porters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time Noon Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. And I'm joined by Frank Anks of the Thoroughbred Times, not only an outstanding writer, but a great handicapper to boot, who explains why he likes who he likes, and I'm interested in picking his brain on this next race. It's not one of the biggest races of the weekend, but it's one that drew a lot of interest, and I'm sure a lot of eyebrows went up when they found out who showed up. I think some of these trainers thought, oh, I'll get in there and grab my piece of the $60,000 race. It's the Harlan's Holiday at Gulfstream Park, one of my favorite horses in the world. I got to see him uh, win his first stakes race uh, at River Downs, go on to become Ohio Horse of the Year, and then go on to become one of the best horses in the country. Uh, the Harlan's Holiday, a mile and the 16th at Gulfstream. Why do there are there interesting characters? Well, we're going to talk about that. You've got an undefeated horse by the name of Trickmeister, and you've got a returning horse who was heralded as one of the best in the country as a three-year-old in Boys at Toscanova. Interestingly, both of them trained by Dick Dutro, and uh, they're not really the only horses to, to watch in here. you got Duke of Mischief coming in off a layoff. This is a horse that uh, beat Game on Dude uh, back in April and raced against the likes of uh, Tisway and Mission Impassable uh, in his last two starts that were grade 1s. So those seem to be the headline horses to me, Frank. Uh, what's your opinion? Yeah, that's I kind of landed on Duke of Mischief. Um, I usually don't take a whole lot of one-move closers, which in my mind this horse is. But this horse, this race is really loaded with a lot of early speed from where I'm looking. Um, Trickmeister, I'm stepping it up. Zimmer, they, uh, Sky Venture, they all look like they want the lead. Boys at Toscanova, I suspect they're going to try to rate a little bit, but even he could be uh, an influence on the early pace. And Duke of Mischief... Uh, He's shown that he can close and beat some good horses, as you mentioned. He uh, closed the beat game on Dude, so that's and his way in that race. He kind of went a little bit south in his last start, and uh, they gave him some time off. But I'm really confident in David Fox. I know he likes to train horses on that colder surface, and he just uh, has a knack for getting them in tip-top shape. Uh, I noticed on the Daily Racing Forum uh, figures that his uh, he's a little bit better percentage-wise off the layoff than his normal percentage, so... I always give that a plus. Uh, I also like that the, this horse worked very fast in his final workout before this race. I, li- I give a closer more credit when a closer works fast. Right. I always like to see that. Uh, I guess I always kind of figured the speed balls will, <laughs> will go in the morning, but when a closer does that, it, it kind of catches my eye. Yeah, 3 of 35 uh, back here just a few days ago. So, uh, yeah, that, that does say a lot. I mean, again, a horse that beat his way in, game on dude, uh, you you got to give them a tip of the cap. Uh, boys at Toscanova, you know, these two races look like they were set-up races after the long layoff. I mean, yeah. here, here's a horse, you, you, you can't help but think that he could have been a star if something didn't happen to him, a winner of the grade one hopeful, and second in the Breeders' Cup juvenile behind Uncle Mo. It's one of those things I'm keeping my fingers crossed that, that, that he's part of the mix on all these horses that are going to come back next season. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, he definitely looks like he's going in the right direction. I certainly wouldn't be surprised if uh, if he goes on to win this one. I was a little surprised that uh, Ramon's not making a trip to uh, Gulfstream that he chose to go out west, um, but uh, that was the decision he made. 
Well, that, that says a lot about the market that he's going to ride out west. Yeah. Uh, we're going to stay at Gulfstream but move forward 24 hours. The 10th race at Gulfstream, only this one is going to be on Sunday. It's the Dania Beach. Uh, this race, in my opinion, uh, there's three horses that, that, that have a resume that brings them to the top, and that's because they came out of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Uh, that would be Escaper, uh, Coalport, and Finale. Here, here's the case where uh, two of these three horses came out of the juvenile turf with excuses, and you expect that. You've got young horses going on the turf, big bulky field, and uh, both uh, Coldport and Finale had excuses coming out of that race. you got to admit, Finale, I think, has got the better resume. Yeah, I think Finale had a really difficult trip that day. This race, um, from what I'm seeing, it looks like he's going to be able to track right off Escaper, which which should be a really nice trip uh, on on Sunday for him. I I initially was looking at some price horses, um, but I just think uh, his running style is a good fit for Gulfstream as well. I think I'm I'm seeing a pretty good trip from uh, what it looks like. The I just think he'll be able to rate just off Escaper and make a big run at the end to to win it. Is what I'm seeing. I do see this V1 rotate that won a couple races on the poly track at Keeneland. One of which came off the turf. They wanted to run him on the turf, but it ended up on the poly. He twice closed at a mile and a sixteenth, which I thought was difficult to do, especially at this Keeneland meet. Um, if you're familiar with Keeneland, that has the short stretch uh, when they run at that mile and a sixteenth distance. And it's you know, I'm really, familiar with it. Yeah, it's difficult. And in his last race, he passed five horses late. Uh, so that really caught my eye. He gets the note that split foes in traffic. His one race on the turf at Arlington in his debut I thought was pretty good. He came closing big. Um, I don't see a whole lot of speed in here for him to close against, though. So I ultimately landed on finale, but maybe I put, uh, I'll probably put V1 rotate under him in an exacta. All right, I think the horse I'm going to put under him is Summer Front. Ramon Dominguez uh, has ridden this horse on all of his first two starts. The last was a win at a mile at Aqueduct on the turf. Christophe Clement trains. He's two for two lifetime. We'll find out what he's got, but I, I would be probably putting him underneath finale. Uh, I can't argue with your logic on V1 rotate. You know, Escaper had a perfect trip in the in the, the the Breeders' Cup Juvenile and really had no excuse, uh, ended up running second. Of course, certainly can't take anything away from Rote, the horse that came in from Europe that, that, that won that race. Uh, but uh, I, I just think that, uh, that Johnny V's coming in to ride finale for Todd Pletcher, and mm-hmm. he's going to be the one you want to put on top in here. You have to, and you have to, like Ramon, making that cross-country flight. He's really going to rack up the miles this weekend, uh, Saturday at Hollywood and Sunday back at Gulfstream. Yeah, and he's been racking up the wins. Well, listen, uh, Frank, I'm I'm coming up towards the end of the show, but I was lucky enough to have Gary West on that I know has a vote for Horse of the Year. Let me put your feet to the fire. I think I I would vote for Hob de Grasse. I thought she was probably the front runner going into the Breeders' Cup, and I just didn't see any horse really really take, take, you know, do enough to, to move past her. Um, she ran, like Gary was saying, I thought she ran a credible race in that in that effort. Um, I mean, one of the more spectacular winners was the, the Royal Delta in the Ladies Classic, and she had just demolished her at Belmont in the previous start. And uh, Drosselmeyer, I just don't think he did enough. I mean, the, to win the Breeders' Cup Classic is always puts you in the running, but uh, it, at it, when you look at his entire year, I just don't see quite enough there on the resume. 
Well, I, I'm with you and, and Gary. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Philly, and I'm a big fan of Larry Jones. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Frank Anks from the Thoroughbred Times has been with us in the handicapping segment here on WinningPonies.com. I want to thank you all for listening in. Remember, the show's on podcast. Recommend it to some of your friends in case they missed it. Tell them, hey, before we go out to the races this weekend, you got to listen to these guys and who they like, and then pull down all the products from WinningPonies.com to help you with the rest of the card and see if it complements on what you heard here tonight. Thanks again to Frank Anks and Gary West from high atop the grandstand overlooking the turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. I'm John Engelhart. Remember, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.